High interest rates, volatile markets, and recession talks could be standing between you and the retirement you plan for. Some easy adjustments could make... Welcome in to your retirement with Sam Welcome to your retirement. I'm Chuck Caton for Dual Financial Strategies, and we have a full studio once again of Sam Dual, Andy Schooler, Luke Van Abel. And uh, remember, their phone number is 866-203-7486. No cost, no obligation to get that retirement lifestyle review. And uh, we're going to talk uh, a little bit, well, we're going to have a quiz later on in this program. But uh, first of all, uh, as Sam said before the break, there's high interest rates, volatile markets, and recession talks. Uh, abounding in uh, the most recent past, and that could be standing between you and your retirement planning. Uh, so let's uh, figure out how to uh, limit the damage. And a lot of financial strategies, tips and rules of thumb uh, in when assembling a retirement plan are there for your perusal. But unfortunately, with the, the economy plagued by market volatility and high interest rates and talks of that recession, the retirement planning rule book has really changed uh, so in order to shed some light on uh, how some of these changes may impact your bottom line in retirement, uh, we're going to be covering a few things with Sam, Andy, and Luke about the classic retirement planning rules and the practical application of each rule in an unpredictable economy. And, of course, the volatility, Sam, has been uh, a key uh, to the most recent past, and uh, there was such a thing once upon a time called the 4% rule. Let's see if it applies today. And first of all, you might uh, say uh, to our audience what it is. What is that 4% rule? Well, the 4% rule is uh, indicating the level of withdrawal that people would take on a retirement portfolio. And that, that kind of became a standard for folks uh, after entering retirement. And it assumes uh, 4% withdrawal rate of retirement funds on an annual basis. Uh, first of all, that typically satisfies the uh, required minimum distribution as you uh, move move into that age. Uh, and it also uh, you know, offers them, uh, retirees a security of guaranteed income for the remainder of their retirement. So uh, people will use the 4% rule uh, to varying degrees of success that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice place to start. It's a good, uh, it's a good basis, Chuck, to start talking about. Uh, but at the end of the day, it also depends upon what sort of retirement lifestyle income do you need as an individual? All right. Now, how's the rule fared over time here? And, and do you see any variations in your philosophy when you discuss this? Uh, does it really apply today? Uh, it's not as applicable today as it used to be. It's one of those things that, uh, unfortunately, in our industry, it seems like advisors will will grab hold of these old, uh, you know, kind of outdated rules and just never, ever have the forethought to let them go. Uh, for one thing, the bond market has been, uh, you know, basically in a steadily declining state for the last 25 years. Uh, this was put into place when bonds were strong, bonds were predictable, bonds were reliable, and they are anything but that uh, in today's world, uh, particularly in a rising interest rate environment. Um, and, it has been bandied about back and forth. They now kind of call it maybe the 3% rule, but there are some advisors that will uh, advocate taking more uh, just to have a more comfortable lifestyle. We, we happen to believe that the first 10 years of retirement is what we call the go-go years. That's when you usually spend the most retirement lifestyle money. Now, you know, there's an argument that when you get into your slow go or no go years, as you get older, you're going to spend money on health care. However, uh, for the pure enjoyment of your retirement, if you're taking a little higher withdrawal rate early in your retirement years, 
that's not necessarily going to damage you or destroy you. It just has to be, uh, it has to be policed. It has to be observed. Uh, and at some point, you're probably going to pull back on that spending. So everyone's going to be different. Uh, so don't get yourself into a box or into a, you know, into a quandary over some hard and fast rule. Uh, a good financial advisor will be able to walk you through that for the entirety of your retirement because, like all things, Chuck, it's going to change. Yeah, right. Uh, and again, for years, ladies and gentlemen, this rule's been a staple for financial planning success. But as Sam just mentioned, uh, you've got to uh, kind of uh, deviate from the norm uh, when conditions uh, allow and, uh, uh, well, make you do it that way. All right, uh, rule number two, Andy, is that rule of 72. And uh, we call that a simplified formula to help you measure how compounded interest can impact your retirement uh, over time. For example, I'll give the example and then uh, ask you a a few questions about this. Uh, If your account earns 4%, you'll divide 72 by that 4, and you're left, of course, with uh, 18 which serves as a rough estimate of how many years it'll take you to double your money. So I want to know, Andy, if that rule's still valid. Well, I mean, it's valid in some cases, but we don't... Valid mathematically. Yeah. I mean, it works mathematically always because math doesn't lie. But from a standpoint of do you consistently earn a fixed rate of return on your market-based accounts? No. You don't. And so with that, it's really hard to do compounding interest on market-based returns when you're not getting a consistent fixed interest rate. So it's it's not something that you can rely on, I think, effectively, unless you're 100% in fixed annuities or in CDs or something like that, which have only really come up in interest rates that are decent rates and that you can actually count on. Now, how long are those rates going to last? I have no idea. And so from a standpoint of, you know, if we're just talking about market-based accounts, no, it really doesn't apply because there's nothing consistent about the market, especially now. Um, And, you know, as far as fixed interest rates are concerned, yes, if you can find them, but then how long can you lock that in for? So consequently, that gets a bit more challenging when you're looking at, you know, CDs here. Yeah, they give you good interest rates for nine months, 11 months, 13 months, 15 months, whatever. But that's not really long enough for you to be able to go, all right, 4% interest rates, which is roughly what banks are paying on most CDs now. Um, You can... How how long are you going to be in that account? How long are those interest rates going to be viable to you? So it's not like you can utilize this rule uh, example that you gave with the 4% interest. I mean, that takes 18 years for it to double. So that's a really long time. And the banks are certainly not willing to put you into a fixed guaranteed interest rate for that long. Yeah. And, you know, stocks don't uh, have any fixed rate of return. <laughs> you talk about volatility. So you really can't use the rule of 72 to determine how long it's going to take to double your money. But you can use it maybe to estimate what kind of average annual return you'd need uh, to double your money in a fixed amount of time. But uh, th- you have to walk that tightrope, I suppose, uh, and that uh, is the uh, uh, the key to success in a volatile market. All right, Luke, I want to ask you about that uh, magic retirement age of 65 rule. Uh, this is one that's certainly going to surprise some folks here, and I think you've got some thoughts on this because it certainly surprised me that a lot of people really believe uh, that 65 is their magic number or their magic age that will single that will signal the uh, beginning of their retirement. So uh, does this standard uh, rule still apply today? Well, the concept of you know being 65 and that sort of being the magic age in which folks can retire um, is not as applicable today. In fact, um, it's more of a 
a loose guideline uh, than a hard and fast rule about when people should retire. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you can still retire at 65, but the, the particulars are going to be subject to change, and how so? Well, I think one of the reasons people come to this conclusion that 65 is the magic number is because back when Social Security uh, was in place, um, you know, back in the 30s when it was established, 65 was determined to be the full retirement age. So your Social Security benefits were based off of that number. Now, in 1983, there was an amendment done to Social Security that made uh, some phase changes to when uh, full retirement benefits could be taken as we age. So they saw the population was living longer. So they started pushing these benefits back. So for most people today, if you were born 1960 or after your full retirement age is now 67 years old. Okay. And then of course, uh, you've got a lot of different uh, impacts uh, that, uh, uh, can be made. I guess it's very difficult when you sit down with somebody, Luke, to find out when they would like to retire. I, I guess there's a lot of different factors. It's just not that magic number uh, that everybody seems to have in their head. Yeah, there's a lot of different things to consider before just saying, hey, they told me I can retire at 65 or that's when other people have retired. You know, when you claim your strategy is really critical because this is ultimately going to lock in your benefits. It could be a reduction in benefits if you're taking benefits prior to your full retirement age. So for example, let's assume that your full retirement age is 67 years old. So you were born after 1960 and you elect to take um, the benefit at 62 instead. That's going to be a reduction of 30%. So you're going to receive 70% of your full retirement benefit. If you would wait, you know, a few more years uh, to age 65, now they're going to give you 86.7% of your full retirement benefit. So will that be enough? You've got to start planning. You've got to start looking at your expenses, your retirement income needs, um, and the retirement age that you take social security should be based more on what your retirement expenses are. What income do you need to cover that? Some people might be able to do this in their fifties. If they've done proper planning, they've done, you know, some things ahead of time. And for others, it might be beyond that. But my encouragement is to focus on the timing that you desire because everybody's unique. Everybody's in a, in a unique situation and then start to build and plan a retirement around um, the, the goal that you have in your retirement age. Don't let somebody else, Uncle Sam, dictate when you're going to retire just because he said, well, 67 is the magic age. Yeah, absolutely. So Sam, when you sit down with somebody, uh, you give them the right advice, right? Well, we're just, uh, we're looking to get people pointed in the right direction, Chuck. And, you know, the, the thing about retirement planning is that it doesn't only have one focus. It, it's going to range anywhere from estate planning to risk management to health care to taxes and, and so much more. And we've been helping folks in our community for a long time. And we're proud to provide that uh, free retirement lifestyle review process for any listener who contacts us. It's, it's going to be a simple conversation about you, about what you want in retirement, and how you want to get there. And from that point, we'll talk about how to make your savings work for your financial goals. And we'll talk about and delve into your risk tolerances. This can include creating a spending plan for you, setting savings and investment goals, developing a strategy to achieve those goals. So a lot of times people that come to see us, Chuck, 
have saved in excess of $500,000. We don't exclude people that have not saved that much money. We want to help as many people as we possibly can. But basically what we're saying is if you're serious, if you are serious about your retirement planning, if you're serious about where you want to get to in retirement, then let's connect. Chuck, give them the number to get a hold of us and probably tell them about the book, too. They'll get a copy of that when they come in. All right. That book is Purpose Determines Placement. It's in its second printing. Sam wrote it. And uh, 866-203-7486 is a number uh, to call. That's 866-203-7486 to get that retirement lifestyle review and a copy of Sam's book, Purpose Determines Placement. Uh, And it's all at no cost, no obligation when you meet with uh, the folks at Dual Financial Strategies about your retirement. So if you're in that retirement red zone, don't procrastinate. Make that phone call right now, 866-203-7486. More rules coming up next, right? Indeed. When we return... We round out the list of retirement rules and how to protect your nest egg in this or any economy. Details when we return. We are back on Your Retirement. I'm Chuck Caton sitting in along with Sam Duell, Andy Schooler, and Luke Van Abel of Duell Financial Strategies uh, with their over 22 years of experience in retirement planning. They want to be your retirement coaches, helping you to and through retirement with their retirement lifestyle review that once again uh, comes at no cost, no obligation. And if you missed that number before the break, uh, it is 866-203-7486. 866 203 Seven four eight six. Well, we're going to continue on from that first segment and talk about rules here, Sam. Uh, There's a lot of them uh, in the world of uh, uh, retirement planning, and some of them can be debunked and some of them maybe not uh, applying as much as they used to uh, in this uh, economic environment. But let's talk about the 60-40 stock bond rule, that ratio uh, to clear things up here. Uh, And and let's talk a little bit about it in great depth, because uh, first of all, what does that mean and does it apply today? Well, basically, it's just the numerical percentage of what you would own in a retirement portfolio if you were a moderate investor, bonds in relation to stocks. So 60-40 would indicate that you would have 60% of your portfolio in stocks. And it would indicate that you would have 40% of your portfolio in bonds. That's what that would be saying. Okay, so tell me this. This rule was designed, I guess, with the intention of allowing folks to benefit from growth, from stocks, uh, curbing that risk, as you said, being moderate. uh, But let me ask you this. From an age standpoint, when you start thinking about retirement, whether you're in your 40s or 50s, does that make a bit of a difference in terms of your risk tolerance and that rule in general? Sure. Uh, you know, not only your not only your age, uh, but what are your income needs? Like, what are you trying to achieve? In in my book, Purpose Determines Placement, we talk about this, and the reason that that book is titled what it is, Purpose Determines Placement, is because the purpose of the money, the job of the money, the task of the money that you have, that will determine how it's placed. So, 
again, this is another one of those rules, Chuck, that many advisors latched onto. It's 60-40, it's set in stone, and it's one of those things where, as Mark Twain would have said, you know, it ain't what you don't know that hurts you. It's what you know for certain that just ain't so. <laughs> and in a lot of instances, the 60-40 rule just ain't so anymore. Uh, so not only does it, uh, it determine uh, the mixture, but the real question is, what mixture do you need? What are you trying to achieve? Are we trying to achieve income? Are we trying to achieve growth? What exactly are we trying to do? Now, what about other uh, investment vehicles? Because why is it just stocks and bonds? Well, and that's the thing is that when this rule was invented, if you will, stocks and bonds were the, you know, those were the predominant things. And again, if you're a stockbroker or if you only live in the stock world, uh, you have basically that's the only tool you have to work with. So obviously that's what you believe in. Um, if you want to see the classic example where that does not work and where it is a proven disaster, uh, you need look no further in your rearview mirror than 2022. Because in 2022, we had what was called a systemic drawdown in the market. And what that means is that both stocks and bonds were falling simultaneously. So if you had a 60-40 portfolio, you were, you were doubly hit in any in any scenario because they were both following but chuck there are so many different asset classes today that were not available back in the days when they invented 6040 like you know CDs were there but they weren't very popular fixed annuities you know the asset class fixed indexed annuities today um, we see that used a lot and we will use it in instances almost as a bond substitute because that particular asset class allows you to participate in the growth of the stock market but while doing so, it insulates you from the negative returns of the stock market. In other words, the insurance company that's issuing the annuity, they take on all of the underlying investment risk. So you may not make all of the returns in the market on something like that. You only may only make you know, 60, 80. In some cases, you could make 100% of the market depending upon how it's structured. However, what you don't get is any of the downside. Yeah. So you don't use that for everything, and it's not for everyone. But if you're looking for true diversification, it's asset classes. It's not some long, tired rule about, oh, 60, 40, 70, 30, 90, 10. It is diversification across multiple different asset classes, not just stocks and bonds. Okay, we're going to continue on this uh, before we get to another uh, rule, which will be the rule of 100. And we'll talk to Andy about that in a couple of minutes. But uh, the reason I guess it doesn't work today, because there used to be an inverse uh, proportion between stocks and bonds, as you mentioned before, Sam, when stocks went up, bonds went down and vice versa. But as we've seen over the past year, as you mentioned uh, just a couple of seconds ago, uh, there's a fundamental flaw in that rule of thumb. When the market dips, high interest rates because of inflation, returns not as high as they once were, as you say, bond, that systemic uh, drop uh, that you talked about with both stocks and bonds. So uh, to avoid uh, learning the lesson the hard way, how can people best structure their portfolios going forward there if it's not just stocks and bonds? I know you touched on it here uh, so that uh, they can uh, maybe – uh, augment, if not recover some of the losses that they've had over the last year and a half or so. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's kind of what we were alluding to is that there's so many different asset classes today. If, if we're just talking, if we're talking today's scenario, well, we're in a we're in a scenario here of rising interest rates. So therefore, 
that will indicate to you bonds are going to be weak. And <clears throat> folks, if you got people telling you how wonderful bonds are, uh, you know, there's there's some some good positions in those. However, if you look at any bond chart, look at government bonds, look at bonds across the board, bonds have been falling in value for literally 25 years. Um, they have not had good performance in many, many years. They, as, as we would say, you know, this ain't your grandfather's bond market. This isn't your father's bond market. It's different. And it's especially turbulent today because we're in an interest rate environment that is rising and bonds do work in inverse of interest rates. When interest rates go up, bond values go down. When bond values go, or when interest rates go down, bond values go up because they are perceived as a store of value. They're perceived as a store of, of, uh, um, of having you know some solid base to them, so you have to be very very careful and not allow these old myths and these old stockbroker mentalities to get creeping into your financial plan or into your advisor's financial plan because a lot of these things just don't work. But diversify among asset classes, diversify among tools, bank instruments like CDs, money markets. Nothing wrong. I would keep my cash in short term CDs today. You can make great interest rates. If you want to go out a little bit further, you can start to delve into fixed annuities. Fixed annuities today are offering wonderful interest rates. One of the downsides to fixed annuities can be liquidity, but if this is money that you don't need to touch, you can make some great returns in fixed annuities today. As I mentioned before, fixed indexed annuities. If you're looking for stability, if you're looking for protection of your original principal, if you're looking for protection of your accrued interest while still getting participate in these stock market growth cycles, but not getting credited with negative returns when the market goes down, fixed indexed annuities. And I would preface this by saying a good fixed indexed annuity, because there are some out there that are not good, like anything else. There's good, there's bad, and there's indifferent. Mm -hmm. A good, well-structured, properly designed fixed indexed annuity could be a great tool for you. And then you can move into bonds, and then you can move into stocks, and you can move into things like that. You just have to look at the risk scale, Chuck, from least amount of risk to most amount of risk. Don't get any one thing too, you know, too closely uh, um, put into Aligned. one category. And in one last thing here, in terms of interest rates, be very careful with the interest rate thing today. Don't be buying long-term fixed interest products like CDs and fixed annuities and things like that. Interest rates are going to continue to rise. The Federal Reserve has signaled there's probably two more coming this year. We could see several next year. Do not get yourself into a situation where you own like a five-year fixed interest product and all of a sudden we get out 18 months and interest rates are 2% higher than they are now and now you're you're actually losing money in that, that particular right. uh, product. All right, we've only got a minute or so. Let's talk about that rule of 100. It's basically very simple, isn't it, uh, Andy, where you take your age, uh, subtracted from 100, and that's the percentage you should have at risk, uh, correct? Well, some would say that, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, this but goes back. Another one of those old rules. I, it's that's just, right. yeah, yeah, it's been around, rule. been around forever, and, and I, I don't even know who to credit it to, and I don't actually care. No. Um, but from a standpoint of, I don't know They're if that's long a, since dead. Yeah, right. I don't know if that's appropriate for you or not, and so consequently. Um, like everything else, oh, you're going to be in a lower tax bracket when you retire. Well, that's hogwash too. So, you know, we have to look at where we are today. You have to look at your own personal retirement, your own personal needs and state, what does that look like? What does it cost me to live every month, every year? And remember that you're turning on your savings accounts now to work for you. You are not adding to them. You are going to start depleting them. So we have to make sure that you have what you need 
And so just going by this arbitrary rule of 100, um, I think really can be a detriment to your planning process because that might not be a great fit for you. Maybe you need to diversify further. I mean, this is, I mean, for the most part, this was always stock market based 60, 40. Do you need a hundred percent of your money in the stock market? Is that where you want to be? If the market starts to move down, I, you know, the, the problem is there's so many what ifs that, um, to just arbitrarily slap a 60, 40 or whatever your age is. Yeah. It just does not make sense. So, um, you know, sitting down and talking to somebody that specializes in retirement planning, as opposed to being a jack of all trades and a master of none, um, is probably your best bet. Find a fiduciary, talk to them, interview them, make sure you're comfortable make sure that they're a good fit for you and you're a good fit for them absolutely and use use modern technology today that's one of the things about these rules of 100 and all of that for trying to uh, determine risk Uh, these questionnaires that we still see being used today where you just answer two or three questions and you know you choose your ideal portfolio folks that's so far outdated it's not even funny I mean that's you know that's milk that's been sitting out on the counter for you know, for three years and it's long since soured. Use modern technology, use tools like Riskalyze, use the type of cutting edge technology that companies and firms like we use to determine not some sort of an arbitrary number or arbitrary uh, conservative or moderate or put some label on you. Find out exactly who you are, exactly what you're trying to achieve. And you can use the personal aspect of a one-to-one approach like dual financial strategies has used for over two decades now. And you can combine that with the highest levels of cutting edge risk analysis and technology that there is today. And those, those marry together very, very easily. Absolutely. That's that's what it's all about. It is. And that's why you should call 866-203-7486 to get that comprehensive retirement lifestyle review. And it comes at no cost, no obligation. So uh, give uh, them a call. Give Sam, Andy, or Luke a call at Dual Financial Strategies, 866-203-7486. All right. What's coming up next? We're going to talk SSA, I guess. Yep, we're going to talk Social Security. And when it comes to claiming Social Security, there are many factors to consider, many questions to answer, and many wrongs to right. So coming up, Chuck, we're going to turn the table on you to take a Social Security pop quiz and see how you score compared to others. Stay tuned for Chuck's success on Social Security. We're back here on the uh, Your Retirement Program, Dual Financial Strategies, are uh, the fine folks, Sam Dual, Andy Schooler, Luke Van Abel, and I'm going to be put on the uh, hot seat. My name's Chuck Caton, and uh, whether you're listening to us uh, anywhere in the Fox Valley, remember the uh, fine folks at uh, Dual Financial Strategies have an office in Green Bay, one in Appleton, and uh, 866-203-7486 is their number. Well... I guess the rhetorical question is, do you know when you're going to begin to take Social Security? And what about your full retirement age, your FRA? Well, don't worry. We've got you covered. Sam said that uh, he's going to be asking me some questions, and I hope I can answer them here on Social Security benefits. Uh, they are vital to you as you start refining your retirement blueprint. you got to remember that Social Security isn't the be-all, end-all either. Uh, so... Uh, Let's see what we have to say about it, because uh, uh, we're going to be asking, well, uh, Sam, Andy, and Luke are going to be asking me questions here, uh, and uh, taking a a look at uh, 
uh, maybe educating you at the same time, uh, if I can get answers right or wrong, and then they will amplify on the answers. So let's get it going. I guess, Sam, you're going to start with the first question. Uh, what is it for me? All right. So the first question is, in most cases, if I take benefits before my full retirement age, they will be reduced for early filing. Well, true see, or I, false? Uh, that true or false? Well, again, these are not multiple choice because this isn't nope. the SAT or the true LSAT. All right. Well, see, I'm going to cheat now because I'm already in this situation. I'm going to say that's true. And you are correct. And 89% of people answer that one correctly. It, Social Security benefits are based upon attained age. Um, and this is the rule of thumb for most, barring disability or something like that, is that the earliest age you can take Social Security is 62. The longest that you can delay taking Social Security and still receive uh, uh, increased benefits is age 70. So you are correct. The All right. sooner you take it, the more it's reduced. Okay, Andy, what's the next question for me? If I am receiving benefits before my full retirement age and continue to work, my benefits might be reduced based on how much I make. True right. or false? Okay, true or false. That's going to be true, uh, and it didn't apply to me because I was still working until uh, my full retirement age. Uh, true, right? And I think most correct. people would say that, right? Yep. In fact, 82 respond 82% of respondents answered that correctly. Okay, Luke, you've got a question for me now. Yeah, if I have a spouse, he or she can receive benefits from my record or your record, Chuck, mm -hmm. even if he or she has no individual earnings history. True or false? All right. Again, that's like shooting fish in a barrel because that is my situation. My wife was a homemaker for years, and I'm going to say that's absolutely true. It is. 72% said that. It's called a spousal benefit. You can absolutely draw off of a, a spousal record so your wife can draw off of your record even though she didn't work outside of the home she had a much more challenging job at home i'm glad you said that because she's listening <laughs> oh, that's the biggest thing in the world when i said my wife doesn't work and then you get hit uh, you know maybe hooked with a hockey stick or something like that if you say that all right sam you've got a question if i have a spouse oh no you did that one luke number four if i have a spouse and he or she passes away I will receive both my full benefit and my deceased spouse's full benefit. True or false? Uh, no, you're talking government here, and they're not going to let you double dip, right? Uh, that's correct. That answer, uh, that, that statement is false. Uh, only about 68% of the respondents got that one correctly. But, folks, Social Security is greater of the two. Your spouse passes away. Whoever Social Security is the larger of the two, that's the one you will receive. The one that is smaller will be taken away. I guess some people are still thinking they're going to get free money from the government, which was a, personally a mistake anyway, but yeah, that's ancient history. And it wasn't free. You put the money in there and so did your employer. Absolutely. Free about Social Security. In fact, I just figured that out the other day uh, of how much I've put in over the years and how much I've gotten out. And right now I've broken even so far because I've already been taking my Social Security for a number of years. Uh, so anyway, uh, Andy, you've got the next question, number five here for me. Generally, if I'm in a same-sex marriage, there are different eligibility requirements when it comes to Social Security benefits. Hmm. I wouldn't know anything about that, but I'm going to just take a wild stab at it and say that's false. Correct. False. 65% of respondents answered correctly. So what yep. are the other 35% thinking there? You can, I mean, you can't really change anything like that. Luke, what, what do you got for the next one? All right. So the money that comes out of my paycheck for Social Security goes into a specific account just for you and remains there earning interest until you begin to take Social Security benefits. True or false? Again, we're talking 
the government. government. All right. So if uh, I'm going to absolutely say that's false because I think people think, I mean, some might think, I mean, you're going to have to give me the stat on this, Luke, but uh, some may, may think that, yeah, you've got to, you know, there's uh, 350, well, not 350 million retirees, but say uh, uh, 50 or 60 million retirees at any one time, and you each have an individual account that the government is going to uh uh, watch and and keep track of? I don't think so. They just put it in the ocean, don't they? Right. And then they yeah, waste I mean, it. it. I think it's wishful thinking, <laughs> hoping that there would be a separate account. But yeah, sixty two percent recognize that there's not a separate account. It's it's one big pool. Hmm. Yeah. I'm just wondering. You know, as we look at this survey, are they talking about sixty percent of all age groups, or I wonder if it's sixty percent of people who are approaching retirement? I, that's one thing that I don't know if we define because that's awful low. Uh, I would just, I would know. assume they're probably just querying people that are you know near just, in Social Security age, but yeah, it's general. I'm, I'm not at all surprised by any of the the uh, low numbers. Jeff. Really, we've yes, we we received more questions on Social Security. Uh, we received more questions that are outdated, uh, that have absolutely no basis. Uh, on Social Security, I think the Social Security is probably the number one topic yeah. that we discuss with people, and it has the most questions and the most questions that people, uh, again, are still working off of kind of old urban myths and things like that yeah. on. Um, to be honest, I you would be shocked to know the number of people that come in and speak to us with Social Security questions and tell us the answer that they got from their financial advisor which is absolutely, totally, and completely incorrect. <laughs> wow. Isn't even close to being accurate. So that's, this is something that's very confusing to people. And, and Social Security is extraordinarily convoluted and extraordinarily complicated. Thus, right. working with someone who knows the ins and outs of retirement is critical as yes. opposed to saving growth and accumulation world. Okay, what do you got for me, Andy? Uh, what's your question now for me? All right. If I file for retirement benefits and have dependent children age 18 or younger, they also may qualify for Social Security benefits. Yeah, true it seems co- yeah, that's that's true uh, because uh, we want to take care of the youth and it seems counterintuitive, but that is absolutely true. All right, Luke, what do you have for me? So if I get divorced, I might be able to collect Social Security benefits based on my ex-spouse's Social Security earnings history. Doesn't seem fair to some, but that is true, right? It is. 57% of respondents got that right. Uh, yes, whether you're you know, married in your situation without, you know, with a spouse that doesn't have an earnings record or you do get a divorce, you may be eligible for, for drawing off of that spouse's record. Well, and as long as you've been divorced for two years okay. and were married at least 10, that's yeah. how that applies. Yeah, 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 okay. Now, see, you would have stumped me with that one, Andy. I would have not known the 10-year rule on that. But anyway, Sam, what do you got for me? Under current Social Security law, full retirement age is 65 no matter when you were born. Uh, no. Uh, and the only reason I know that is when I went into Social Security, they asked me my age, and uh, I didn't answer. No, actually, I did. And so I said, that that's false because they have to know your age. And it isn't uh, uh, the same for anybody that's that was younger than I. Correct. Uh, right? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. As you get younger, actually, full retirement age for a lot of the people today that have not yet filed for Social Security is going to be 67 or 66 in some months. So, yeah. yes, 65 is not full, full retirement age for people today. Yeah. Mine was 66 and four months. So you can yeah. deduce what uh, how old I am. All right. Andy, we got a couple more questions here. Andy, what do you have for me? 
If I delay taking Social Security benefits past the age of 70, I will continue to get delayed retirement credit increases each year I wait. I wish, but no, not true. Correct. All right, well, that's that's good because I passed that age and I was looking for more too. But I, I, would, I did accept that, what, 8.7% uh, COLA that we got uh, in 2023. Well, Ooh. you could thank inflation for that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm still behind the eight ball. Uh, All right, for, last one for you, Chuck. Okay. Social Security retirement benefits are subject to income tax, just like withdrawals from traditional individual retirement accounts. No, absolutely not. I know that one because uh, I talked to my tax guy quite a bit. But you've got a startling statistic about that, though. Yes, for only 42% have got, got that correct. Um, it, most people probably know that Social Security is taxable, but the amount of it uh, depends on your other income and goes on to a table and so forth. So it's not taxed the exact same. All right. But it will be taxable again. Yeah. Yeah, a percentage of it will be. All right, uh, you got a minute, Sam. Uh, these questions were great, and that's what you can help people with. Yeah, and all of this, Chuck, is just puzzle pieces. You know, we spent a good deal of time talking about Social Security just now, but we want to know, let folks know that if there's a lot more to this than just Social Security. So we do have a few openings on our calendar for those of you that would like to come out and talk about all of these different topics. But things like Social Security. When should you start taking that benefit? What is your particular situation? Uh, you know, let's talk about risk. How much are you taking in your current portfolio? Do you even know? Uh, and is that risk appropriate for your age and for the amount of return that you're actually getting? Are you being rewarded for the amount of risk that you're taking? And things like an income plan. Do you have one? Do you know for a certainty that you aren't going to run out of money in retirement? Do you know how much you should be spending, how much you could spend, what you should be looking at? Folks, it's this, these questions and many, many more that you come in and ask us. It'll be an easy conversation. Our Appleton office, our Green Bay office, Chuck's going to give you the telephone number and how to get a hold of us. But pick up the phone and let us know who you are, where you are, and let's get you on that road to retirement that you've looked forward to and you deserve. All right, and that uh, number is 866-203-7486. That's 866 866- 203-7486. Sam said it earlier in the show that you'll get a uh, copy of his book, Purpose Determines Placement. He will explain it to you. It's in its second printing. A lot of folks in the Fox Valley already have that book, and it's been very uh, beneficial and educational for them. Uh, they have uh, learned a lot. 866-203-7486. You'll get that no-cost, uh, no-obligation sit-down uh, with Sam, Andy, or Luke, and get that retirement lifestyle review cooking as uh, you approach retirement. To, and they will answer all of your questions because they are fiduciaries, and that means you come first uh, in their world. Well, it's been a great show so far, but we've got one more segment. You bet. And when we come back, it's time for questions from listeners. And we've got some good ones this week. We're back on Your Retirement. I'm Chuck Caton, along with Sam Duell, Andy Schooler, Luke Van Abel, once again, of Duell Financial Strategies. And in case you missed that phone number earlier, uh, we'll give it to you again. Uh, it is 866-203-7486 to get that retirement lifestyle review. Thank you for listening to us each and every week here in the Fox Valley. And remember, they've got offices uh, in Appleton and in Green Bay. All right, Sam, we're ready to go here. Uh, I think all three of you are 
uh, getting uh, set to answer some good questions once again this week. It's been a great show. Uh, I, I liked when you turned the tables on me and asked me these questions, and I hope I uh, was able to uh, answer all of them correctly. I, uh, you know, I cheated on some of them because I'm actually some of them applied to me. So uh, it was a good test, and I hope our listeners learned a lot from it. I'm sure they did. It was a good topic and one that people have lots and lots of questions on. All right, here we go. Uh, Sam, you've got the first question. It comes from Gail in Green Bay, who says, I've got a 401k with a company I retired from the, uh, in the past year. So she wants to know if I can convert these funds to my Roth IRA, but I don't want to convert all the funds because uh, the tax bill would be too much. So can I convert just a part of the funds to my Roth and then roll the rest of my 401k funds into a traditional IRA? Uh, the short answer to the question, Gail, is yes, you can do that. Absolutely. That's any, there are no limitations on how much you can convert. There's no limitations on income for conversion. Um, you are correct. You just have to be very, very aware of what the tax bill is going to be. So uh, in a scenario like that, Gail, we would look at it and we would say, hey, you need to find out what is the tax bracket that you're in currently and you would want to fill that bracket with a conversion. So in other words, let's say that you are in a 12% tax bracket and you had $30,000 in room before it pushed you to a 22% tax bracket. Well, then you could do a conversion on $30,000. Um, tax bill on that, obviously 30,000 times 12, that's going to be your amount of money that you're gonna owe in taxes. Don't forget, you're gonna have a state uh, tax bill on that as well. Uh, but just make sure when you're doing those conversions that you are having the money on hand to pay that tax bill. Do not let someone talk you into having the taxes withheld from the conversion because you are completely defeating the purpose of doing the Roth conversion to begin with. Um, and talk with your financial advisor, Gail, or if you want to come in to visit with us, we'd be happy to point you in the right direction. We need to include your accountant or your tax preparer in this too. Um, and the one thing that we do caution people on, on making Roth conversions is uh, you don't want to do a Roth conversion just for the sake of doing a Roth conversion. And also you do not want the tax tail to wag the dog uh, on the opposite side of the spectrum. I don't want to do a Roth conversion because I got to pay taxes. You're going to pay taxes at some point anyway, better now in a known tax environment than later in an unknown environment. Yeah. And I think that if uh, Gail has claimed social security plans to, she's got to remember that part of that income is taxable as well. That social security income counts as part of your provisional income, right? I mean, yeah. even in yeah, retirement. Just so. there's, there's a lot of contributing factors, yeah, but from the short tax answer bracket, to your question yeah. is yes, she yeah. can do it. All right, Peggy's in Appleton, and uh, Andy, uh, she wants to know, uh, being four years away from retirement, she says, I've already got enough money for retirement, and I've got a year's worth of expenses in my checking account. Uh, is uh, there a certain balance that I should keep in that checking account when my retirement accounts are set? Well, hi, Peggy. Good question. I'm happy to read that you have enough income for retirement. Um, and I'm also happy to read that you have a year's worth of expenses in your checking account that you're probably not making much money on your checking account balance. So if you've got, call it, I don't know, eighty dollars or $100,000 sitting in your checking account, that might not be the best place to store that money. If you are still working and you still have that, then maybe going to a CD or a short-term fixed annuity or something to give you a little bit higher interest earning possibility on that account or that value of the account, um, that could be helpful to you. Uh, you know, you're not using that money or you don't have to have that money sitting there 
technically in your checking account because it's just probably still earning a tenth of a percent or something very low unless you have it in some sort of a money market account, which would be a little bit higher. But still, if you're looking to maximize your dollars and cents and have them earning more interest for you, then it would probably be advantageous to move some of that money out um, or a big chunk of that money out so that it is actually making more for you than what it is in your basic checking account. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, some people but just uh, want that security, I guess, Andy, right? They see that big amount in that checking account, but they don't realize their money's really losing money safely. Uh, Correct. Uh, by, by doing that, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. All right, let's go to John in Oshkosh now. Luke, he's got a question for you. He says an IRA is being willed to me. Uh, so if I inherit this before the age of 59 and a half, uh, can I have it sent directly to my own IRA? And if so, what are the tax implications? Hi, John. Well, first of all, sorry for the loss. Um, if you're inheriting those funds, someone has likely passed away. Um, age is not a factor here. So whether you are younger than 59 and a half, older than 59 and a half, if you are receiving funds from somebody else in their IRA that's not a spouse, that cannot go to your IRA. Um, there's a different set of rules with those funds, so they want them to be kept separate. You need an inherited IRA or a beneficiary IRA would be another name for that type of an account um, because due to the SECURE Act, there are special rules involved now with the taking of distribution and forced distribution. So the required distribution now is that you essentially take out the entire value of that IRA balance uh, within 10 years. So 10 years from the date of passing, you have to start getting all that those funds out. So that means you don't necessarily have to take anything for the first nine years, but by that 10th year, you certainly do. Um, the second half of your question there, uh, you were asking about tax implications. Um, so any money in an IRA is going to be um, taxable when you take that distribution. So whether you take some right away, whether you split it up over time, that those funds have never been taxed. So now when you take them out in the form of a distribution, they're going to be taxable to you. Um, the change in that rule to keep you know IRA money separate in the inherited IRA and then also putting the shot clock on you for that 10 year, 10 years, that's a big tax grab because they know that uh, most people are going to inherit money in some of their prime earnings years, which means they're going to be in a higher tax bracket, and now they're going to be forced to take that money out. Yeah, let's uh, go back in time to the, quote, good old days, Luke, and maybe explain to people what it used to be when you inherited an IRA. Say you were a 28 or 29-year-old person uh, that inherited one from your, uh, say, grandmother or something. You had a lifetime, <laughs> practically, to... to uh, just take that money and pay taxes on a, a lesser amount per year, right? Because it was your basically up to your lifetime, right? Yeah, it was a lifetime or even multiple lifetimes, really, because um, in that scenario, Chuck, prior to the last few years when this rule changed, you could essentially stretch an IRA. So if you've ever heard anybody talk about stretching an IRA out that you've inherited, uh, that just meant that you had to take some required distributions, potentially, depending on the age of the owner of that original IRA. Uh, but if, you know, if you're just taking a small couple percent, you know, required distribution, you could do that for the rest of your lifetime. If they, the value of that account was not exhausted, you could actually pass it on to somebody else. So that's right. where the multiple lifetimes come into play. Yeah. But if anybody's talking about stretching out an IRA today, um, run, 
come talk to somebody else, come <laughs> talk to us, because you can no longer do that. No, that stretch is now defined as 10 years, if you call yes, that a stretch. it's a 10-year stretch. All right, Sam, final question comes from Peter in Kokona, uh, who is 55. He's got $600,000 saved for retirement, so he wants to know, uh, is it possible uh, to retire at 62, so seven years later, and claim Social Security and live off a, a total of $6,000 a month for the rest of my life? Well, Peter, it's, I was kind of running the math on this a little bit uh, before we came back on air with the question. And I would have to say, I mean, if we're just looking at realistically, I would say not likely. Uh, the reason why I'm saying that is because I believe that your withdrawal rate would probably be uh, uh, a little bit optimistic. Uh, if you've got $600,000 today, and let's say that, uh, let's say you're making 5% on that, um, by the time you get to 62, it's going to be worth more than 600,000. You know, you would you would hope uh, that it would be worth more than than that. But let's say that you got to a point where that money had grown and you now had $900,000 or whatever the case might be. Well, if you're taking Social Security at 62, you're going to take a reduced benefit. So in most cases, you're probably going to make around $15,000 a year on that. Uh, so if you take your 15,000 Social Security, subtract that from the $72,000 that you want to live on. Uh, and then divide that back into what the future value of your account could be, you're probably talking about a withdrawal rate in the 6 to 7% range. Uh, and <clears throat> I would say that any uh, above-board fiduciary would caution you uh, very highly against that strategy. Uh, the odds that you could sustain that for the rest of your life. I mean, at 62 years old, we're talking 25 to 30 years uh, in longevity. The odds that you could maintain that sort of growth without that money going away would be, it would be a Herculean task. Uh, I, I would be honest with you and say it is, if you came to me and said, this is what I'm going to do, I want you to be my advisor, I'd probably tell you you needed to keep shopping uh, because I wouldn't be interested in taking on that scenario. Um, now, a couple of things that you could do to defray that, wait a little longer to take Social Security. That would help you. Um, obviously, reduce the amount of money that you would want to take in retirement. Or if you're only 62, why not work? Why not uh, help take that down to where you're not as heavily uh, into that four or that heavily into that retirement savings plan um, as you would be otherwise? So I think that uh, the the idea is noble. Um, it's a good idea. Uh, however, I think you would probably want to make some tweaks and uh, some tweaks and adjustments to that to make sure. Or we would want to include in your asset class some sort of a guaranteed income uh, annuity in there to make sure that a part of those payments were forever and ever guaranteed to you uh, without any fluctuation or variation. But um, just off the top of my head, uh, that would be one that you would want to approach with uh, quite a lot of caution to make sure you did not exhaust your retirement savings. All right, so that's the kind of advice that they can give you at Dual Financial Strategies. You heard Sam there, and 866-203-7486 is the number. That's 866-203-7486 to get that retirement lifestyle review. And the best part is that uh, meeting is at no cost, no obligation. Come in, uh, meet them, and uh, they will meet you and you bring some questions about your retirement because it is all about yours it's individual and not uh, a uh, well a an assembly line of the same uh, plan and portfolio uh, of course is different and so are the plans so again it's 866-203-7486 
Dual Financial Strategies, the Retirement Lifestyle Review. Well, it's been a great show, uh, everybody. Thanks for being with us. And, uh, Sam, I know you've got some final thoughts. Yeah, we appreciate everybody tuning in. Thanks for joining us uh, this weekend. Catch us on television over the weekend as well. And give us a call. Get a copy of the book. Come in and see us. Let's walk you through our process. See if we're a fit for you. See if you're a fit for us. And let's get you on that road to that well-deserved retirement that you've been looking forward to. Investment advisory services offered through Dual Financial Strategies, LLC, a Wisconsin registered investment advisor. Dual Financial Strategies does not provide legal or tax advice. Investment advisor representatives of Dual Financial Strategies may only conduct business with residents of the states and jurisdictions in which they are properly registered. Insurance and annuity products are sold through Dual Financial Strategies.